0: The following is a quote by the late film critic Roger Ebert. There are often lists of the great living male movie stars, De Niro, Nicholson, and Pacino. How often do you see the name of this actor, though? He should always be up there. He's daring and fearless in his choice of roles and unafraid to crawl out on a limb, saw it off, and remain suspended in air. No one else can project inner trembling so effectively, Ebert adds. He always seems so earnest, however improbable his character, he never winks at the audience. He is committed to the character with every atom and plays him as if he were him. You might guess that this quote pertains to Denzel Washington or Daniel Day-Lewis, but that's not the case. In actuality, the actor Ebert was referencing would go on to star in such films as Bangkok Dangerous, Drive Angry Shot in 3D, and Ghost Rider 2, Spirit of Vengeance. We're, of course, talking about Nicolas Cage. On this podcast, my co host and I are going to be exploring the latter half of the esteemed actor's filmography. Welcome to Contemporary Cage. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Contemporary Cage. My name is David Tress, and I'm here joined, as I always will be, by my dear friend, Derek Smith. How I'm you
1: doing? I'm always with you.
0: Always with me I'm in spirit. Partner, buddy. And uh, physically near me often as well.
1: Yeah, as much as I can. Gotta keep you close.
0: Yeah, I want you to get out of here. I what? want you uh, further away from me, but you just are a real hanger on.
1: Yeah, it's like those little fish in the um, Great Whites clean you up
0: yep yeah just like that but that's actually not an like an appropriate metaphor for this because i asked you to be on this podcast you're doing me a favor in a way right. uh because i had this crazy idea for a podcast that i've wanted to do for a long time i've wanted uh for a long time i've been obsessed uh fascinated by Nicolas cage uh as an actor and Uh, I think sort of this transition that he's made in recent years from an actor that was starring in, uh, you know, Scorsese films um, to an actor who is now, he he has produced no less than 16 movies in the last five years. Most of them starring roles, most of them like low budget, I imagine quick to shoot films. Uh, But there, there is like uh, an interesting, and uh, notable change in the type of project that he's accepted and this uh podcast is kind of an opportunity for me to explore whether or not there have been uh changes to his the quality of his performance in, in the change because there's definitely a change in the type of film that he is now making i wonder if that extends to his performance and you've been kind enough to join me on this scientific endeavor
1: Yes, Uh, and I think you pitched it to me so well because the world seems to be obsessed with Cage, but not in the way that you are.
0: Yeah, totally. I think that there is a a portion of the internet that um, kind of uses him as the butt of a joke, and like a lot of people that see uh, his really manic performances as just like, oh, this is just bad acting. And I I never had that uh, experience. I think that ebert's quote While i don't agree with it wholeheartedly i don't know if i would put him as one of the great actors of the last 20 or so years i I do think that he does something that very few other uh actors performers do which is uh portray these characters that have these manic qualities and commit to them in a way that's really entertaining uh and, and and really engaging um and he 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 isn't ever just being like crazy for crazy's sake. I feel like there's always legitimate well, motive well. uh or or drive, yeah, maybe. maybe you know uh well, so this is the thing um the, the movies that I uh became a fan of Cage for like um uh, like uh raising Arizona, leaving las Vegas um I'm blanking on the David Lynch film that he's in wild at Heart. Mm-hmm um like those per- nick cage performances feel so authentic and genuine and th- also just like a fully realized character whereas some of these later films it, it seems like he might feel a little more inspired going into it one scene versus another and mm-hmm. he's like i'm gonna make this bold choice for this moment and then he kind of forgets about that, maybe, that well, he did that. Well, he's,
1: he's a hell of an actor. There's no lie. And, you know, let's just... This isn't the podcast about how we're going to gush about how much we love him. Yeah, totally. This isn't the podcast about how we're going to talk about how bad he is now. No. it In a in a world of alternative facts, yeah. if I may be so bold to say. Perfect. It's hard to get a grip. This is science. We're yeah, going to explore absolutely. the pop culture phenomenon that is the American actor. Of Cage, I've always
0: had a lot of uh, respect for super niche scientists, the person who like goes out into the world, the, the plant biologist who says, I want to know everything about this specific um, type of grass that mm-hmm. exists. And they mm-hmm. dedicate their entire life to doing that. We are doing that with uh, Nicolas Cage performances. We are mm-hmm. doing the deep dive mm-hmm. into this uh, weird niche that people I think a lot of people are ignoring, too, because so many of these movies are just critically panned.
1: Even myself, it's hard to think the last time I, I gave Nicolas Cage the time of day in terms of thinking about him and his performance. He's just kind of
0: there. Yeah. Uh, and producing such a volume of work that it's, it, I'm sure there are interesting things that are happening on screen with him that might be lost, that might be overlooked, and we're going to do that deep dive and figure out we're gonna be, is there stuff that people should be paying attention to. We're going to be tits deep in cage yes uh which uh brings us <laughs> into um I, I guess we'll announce the movie that we watched for this um for this podcast so yeah each week uh i think this we'll do this as a weekly podcast each week we are going to watch one of uh nick cage's uh, more contemporary films and then so uh, like what years we talking about I, i'm thinking the there's a hard cutoff point for me like around 2005 that's when i noticed mm. the significant shift uh in the type of film that he was taking on
1: so good or bad can be debated but it
0: changed totally there are definitely uh films within between 2005 and and now that i think are uh, that i've seen that are, are higher of a higher quality absolutely um but we're, yeah we're not just like scraping the bottom of the barrel we are out looking documenting What's going on? What, what are these performances that he's giving uh, and what are the best ones specifically so that we could uh, draw your attention to those? Maybe check them out.
1: Eyes on Cage. Yeah.
0: And then we're watching his bad movies so that you don't have to. Mm. Uh, is it's the gonna other be, thing. That's
1: going to be a lot of them.
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, each week we are going to watch a, a Cage movie and uh, summarize it, talk about it here give our thoughts, rate it, rank it. We're Mm. also going to do a little ranking. Rate and rank. Uh, You know, it is a scientific process that we are involved (laughs) in. (laughs) It's a (laughs) stroked out scientific (laughs) process that we are involved in. We're scientists. Uh, Yeah. We have a very um, complicated, in-depth rating scale, ranking scale. Mm -hmm. We'll get into that a little later. But But,
1: No, seriously, David really, really um, kind of... uh, horde over how he was going to rank it and rate it yeah it's very simple but it meant a lot to him that we got it just right and what did we land on
0: well yeah well what is the appropriate barometer to judge these um movies by and so the uh rating system is going to be uh, a, a three point scale mm-hmm. uh those he lands
1: on one of these three points
0: yes uh the movie is either going to be good good mm. which just means hey this is a well made well acted film good that move. is a this is just a good film good flick yeah uh in between that and then the bottom is a uh, good bad which means this is a bad movie uh but Worth there are watch, enjoyable yeah there are enjoyable elements i usually mm-hmm. think of a good bad film as something that uh Feels very sincere, but isn't like aligning with my sensibility where the filmmaker is like, I, I believe in this. I find it sincere, but then the qualities that I find it uh, enjoyable for are aren't necessarily the same ones the filmmakers set out to land. Great example for me.
1: It's like a movie you enjoy, but you just can't recommend it to people. You'd Mm. feel wrong about it. So like um, I had a hell of a good time watching the Warcraft movie. Yeah. Uh, so much fun me too the nostalgia of playing WoW with my friends
0: yeah. It was just a good old time. <laughs> the, the problem with you and me, though, <laughs> and that very bad movie opinion is that we earnestly like that movie a yes, lot. Yes, but I would, the thing is,
1: I'd never recommend it to people. If That's people true. If people like, what's a good movie? I wouldn't recommend, oh, you gotta see Warcraft. That's what makes
0: it a good bad. If you take it, yeah, exactly. If you take a more analytical uh, perspective Objective. and are like, uh, dude, I just, there, there are things in this movie that they fuck up that are mishandled and poor choices in filmmaking. But as a whole... I really enjoyed it. There's oh, something going Oh, we could do a whole podcast on, on the Warcraft movie. Yeah. Um, but we won't.
1: Yeah. Unless Nick Cage well. stars in Warcraft 2. Oh, my God. As Cho'Gall. If he, he would be such a good Cho'Gall.
0: Both heads. CGI <laughs> two Nick Cage Yeah. Just freaking out on the Oh, that would be so good because, like, uh, in this movie, uh, we won't reveal the title just yet. Keep you waiting. Wait, wait, um, wait, wait. We got to say the last tier, though. Oh, yeah. Sorry. We don't want to. Yeah. Don't get ahead of ourselves. Um, the last tier. Bad, bad. Is bad, bad, which is just—we all know what this is. Yeah, it's a bad movie that doesn't have like any real redemptive qualities. Mm-hmm. It's just like a bad movie that's painful to watch. Um, and yeah. you know, we'll probably get a couple of those. Uh, hopefully, we get more on the other two points because that'll mean this is more fun to talk about and watch for Derek and I. But uh, the truth is, we're gonna get some bad, bads. Yeah, uh, and we need to have a point that accounts for that. So that's the uh, rating scale and the the ranking system. We are just going to keep a running list, uh, and at the end of each uh, week, after we summarize our feelings about the film, after we give them uh, our rating, we are going to decide where this film now lands on the larger list of Nicolas Cage films that we accumulate.
1: Board or something. Yeah, we'll get a a running tally. Quick.
0: Yeah, Um, but. Okay, that's great. We had to all do all that at the top of the show, but now we get to move into the meat, into the fun stuff, baby. Right, in between them,
1: bread slices into the lunch mitt. Yes, mm-hmm. into the
0: stuff that you really want in that sandwich. Throw those pieces of shitty bread out the window and eat that lettuce, eat that turkey. Eat that turkey, but um, don't get sleepy. So the next uh, segment of the show is going to be a fun little segment called Cage Facts
1: what are these fucking iguanas doing on my coffee table they ain't no iguana yeah there are there ain't no iguana
0: what the fuck is that a fucking iguana. this segment uh i'm sure most of the uh listeners are familiar with the game uh two truths and a lie we are going to take that model mm. uh, of a game and apply it to Nick Cage trivia. Nicky Cage. And, and I'm definitely... Uh, I think I am currently the resident expert on Nicolas Cage yeah. between the two of us. You're oh, a, definitely. You've paid a little less attention to the man, so I'm going to... But I will say both
1: of us have a slightly personal connection Ooh, yeah. and I think to
0: Nicolas Cage. We, we do, yeah. And that's, like, sincere. We're not even saying that jokingly. It's Yeah, not even and, like... and it's
1: not as... Intimate as you may imagine at all, but
0: or it may be. I think we should uh reveal these uh later on in the show's arc, mm-hmm. but uh let's just tease that and then move on to mm-hmm. uh cage facts. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, I'm going to read three different facts mm-hmm. you have to tell me, or, or three different uh statements uh about uh yeah. cage. Who one of them will be one of them will be an alternative fact or okay. a, a lie, untruth. yeah. <laughs> uh, and you can let me know which you think is. And these are just about him personally, or... yeah, they're all pretty self-explanatory. Okay. So the first one is. Nicholas Cage once woke up in his house in Orange County in the middle of the night to find a naked man eating a fudgesicle in front of his bed. Mm, that man was Martin Scorsese. <laughs> <Yeah>. You want <laughs> to be in a movie, kid? <laughs> <laughs> go put you in one of my pictures. Uh, okay, go on. Number two. I don't, I don't know about that one. Has a large room in his New, or- New Orleans mansion that serves as a museum for props he's kept from his films. Mm-hmm. And the third is took his stage name from the Marvel character, Luke Cage. Okay. So right off the bat, the shrine to his movies.
1: Number two. More of like a curated museum, like just like a curated space. I think that's, I don't know a lot about Cage, mm-hmm. but I have heard some stories. They might not even be true, but it seems like he's kind of a self-serious guy. Mm. And I buy that he would do that, especially in a house that he doesn't live in all the time. A cool New Orleans house. And be like, this is my Nick Cage. Really? Yeah. That's got to be true. Yeah. Uh, okay. So then we got the naked man with a sickle. Mm-hmm.
0: And what's the third one? The third one is that he took his stage name from the Marvel character Luke, Luke C- Cage. What's his real name? Uh, he, he was a Coppola originally. Oh, that's right. Of Nicholas course. Nicholas
1: Coppola. He's Nicholas Coppola. Didn't
0: want to ride on that right. family's coattails, so he changed it. A very admirable thing that a, a lot of people don't do. So,
1: okay, two reasons why I think the Luke Cage thing might be the lie. One, it's coming from you, David, so if you had to make one up, of course, it would be comic book related. Mm.
0: Two. Metagaming it a little bit. I like that.
1: That fudgical story is a wild story, and there's nothing celebrities like to tell more than wild, funny stories. Mm -hmm. I can see him saying that sentence. On a Letterman appearance or mm -hmm, something like that. And just giving us a look like, no more details needed Yeah, on the cage. It's crazy. Um, Orange County, I don't know. He lived in Orange County. I know he's a copeless. He lived in Northern California. Don't know about that. How many houses this guy got, you know? especially if the second one's true yeah i'm gonna go well you know he was in kick-ass so he probably does like comic books a little bit there's got to be something to him about that i'm gonna go number three is a lie just so that if it is truth i may have a little more respect for the man if it is a lie you know i nailed it Mm -hmm. so win-win okay you ready
0: what do we got you are incorrect. Oh, my God. Number two it's was the, the lie. He does not have a museum of props okay. in his New Orleans uh, mansion. That's mm-hmm. not true. The other two are true, though, which I think is cool as shit. I didn't know prior to uh, doing the research and like picking the facts that I would choose for this segment. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he got his name from Luke Cage. I think that's cool as hell. That is cool. It's yeah. not
1: so cool that he has like a, a little shrine of his movie props.
0: But... He doesn't have that. Oh, that's the lie? <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> So, that's that's the that's the, <laughs> the falsehood. That's the alternative fact. Okay. Okay. So, he did have New a stalker Orleans, yeah. enter his house. Money. Okay, yeah. He did have a stalker. A stalker?
1: Yeah, who ate a fudgesicle over his bed. Oh, my God. Like, breathing over him or, like,
0: standing? Uh, at the foot of his bed. Oh, my God. Nude. Oh. Consuming a fudgesicle. What did he do? Oh. You... <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna get out of here man that's a great, I can't great do it Yeah, we're, we're, gonna,
1: we're gonna bring him in eventually
0: yeah we um based on our personal uh connections that we sort of alluded to earlier we have gotten him to promise to appear on the podcast but he's not here right now and we're yeah. not gonna do an impression that's disrespectful to an actor this is a scientific process yeah uh but he, he will be in eventually and he's gonna blow your tits off <laughs> Yes, and perfect transition. Uh, I think that was the highlight. We're going to drop that line in uh, at some point uh, of the movie that we watched Mm -hmm. first, which is the film Dog Eat Dog. Beautiful. 2016 release. um, A a pretty interesting movie. It was directed by Paul uh, Schrader, Mm -hmm. who uh, has a history of... Co-writing a lot of Scorsese films, mm-hmm. he Good wrote ones. yeah, Raging Bull mm-hmm. and Taxi Driver. Uh, mm-hmm. all, also, I think the first time he worked with Cage was on Bring Out the Dead, mm-hmm. Bring Out, Bring Out Your Dead. I think it's um, Bring Out the Dead, Bring Out Your Dead is Monty Python on the Holy Grail. Mm, yes. Uh, yeah. So, um, a pretty interesting uh, film here. Let me read a brief synopsis of the movie. Oh,
1: please do, because it's really hard to follow.
0: Yeah, um, so Dog Eat Dog, a delusional ex-con rejoins his unhinged former partners for one last job, kidnap the baby of a mobster's enemy for ransom. This is a, a film. To be fair,
1: that does not happen till halfway through the movie?
0: Yeah, I feel like Paul Schrader kind of wanted to make a Goodfellas-style um, movie, where it is, like, sort of- disjointed uh unconnected storylines involving a cast of 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 criminals Mm -hmm. um because there is really one of the things about this uh, movie i don't want to give away what i'm going to give it is that i feel like paul schrader had a had like a crisis of identity for this movie throughout the production i feel like there are maybe five tonally different films in this one film. Mm-hmm. It's really all over the place and a
1: crazy stinger at the end.
0: Yeah. Like the uh, the opening scene and the ending scene, I feel like are tonally consistent, actually, in some ways. And the like middle section feels like a very different movie. And it mm-hmm. opens with uh, a super crazy scene. William? Yeah. yeah,
1: the opening of that film is probably the most maybe enjoyable. It's a great opening sequence.
0: Yeah, I think it sort of got all of us on board. We were skeptical of this film. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, really quick, this film stars Nicolas Cage. Uh, Willem Dafoe is a supporting actor, and then uh, a man named Christopher Matthew Cook. Uh, But But
1: Cook and Dafoe really seem like the stars, and Cage feels a little bit like support, honestly. Yeah, totally.
0: He kind of takes a back seat, uh, which is a thing that I think we'll run into a lot with these movies is that He, you know, I feel like some of these movies might have only gotten him for like three days and then just shoot that and put him as the top billed actor, Mm -hmm. even though he's in the movie for 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and I I guess I was reading about uh, the production of this film and Cage had to, I think he like gave Willem Dafoe $100,000 to be in this movie, like outside of the actual uh, budgeting of the film um, because he really wanted to work with Willem. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense. One of the first things we thought of was like, "What's Willem
1: doing in this?" And he's great in it. He is great. William, he, Willem Dafoe, like, especially with what he's working with too. Like, uh, yeah, he, he couldn't have made it work out better. He's just a talented guy.
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the movie is sort of. uh It, it starts um, with a scene of him. Killing, uh, I think, his ex-girlfriend and her daughter. And Mm -hmm. it's a really weird sort of uh, drugged out scene. He's doing a lot of cocaine throughout it. Uh, And there's like really interesting uses of light. Like it's a very. uh, Well, the color is madness. They colored it like. Yes. Highly
1: saturated pink and purple, like all over the skin tones and stuff. Um, And it changes once the the ex-girlfriend and the daughter get in there be a little bit more realistic but then you know he's got like some it was actually one of the cooler uh visualizations of someone tripping mm-hmm. that i've seen where he's like looking at in himself in the mirror and just having a really great time watching like these weird ripple effects of his face and stuff like that yeah
0: um because so many movies have done
1: the drug scene you
0: know? yeah it I mean it is interesting and I feel like Willem is a good actor to have uh, in a scene like that but it also does kind of feel like the AV club nerds from your high school were just like let's get fucking wild on these effects dog yeah <laughs> it's just like a pretty it, it, yeah, I think you said uh, oh they've got like the photo booth app from yeah, like from their Apple Mac
1: when you everyone's done that you get your Mac the first day and then you put the photo
0: booth on you and your friends have big eyes and you yeah. go look you up. just open and close your mouth for 20 minutes straight mm-hmm. and laugh hysterically um,
1: but but the the tipping point in that scene, which I feel like is a microcosm for the whole movie, is that she like finds some porn on her computer. Yeah, and it's like, first of all, if she has been with Mad Dog, this character who is just doing cocaine and heroin mid conversation, yeah, he's like
0: the most deplorable person ever. That is, and his you character. know him
1: intimately somehow. Like, that's the strange thing that's gonna tip you off that he needs to leave is that he watched some porn on his computer, mm-hmm. like. And, like, the whole movie kind of has these disconjointed, like, does that really even make sense if these were real people and this is a real
0: situation? Not a lot of, like, logical follow through. Or it's just like, oh, yeah, let's really, like, test this thread and make sure that, like, it'll pass, like, a logic test before implementing it and shooting it in the film. And so
1: it just gives way for an excuse to get some real graphic, crazy, like, gratuitous violence.
0: yeah. I mean, yeah, he kills a, a woman in cold blood and her child uh, in the opening sequence. And of he's this such film. a
1: nightmare about it. Like he's like that horrible nightmare you have as a kid, where someone with a gun is like slowly walking up the stairs. You know, yeah. like just a creep and a half.
0: Yeah, and so here was like the thing that really caught me off guard uh, about this film is I was really expecting a more innocuous, just kind of like generic action film or generic mm-hmm. crime film. You know, he's done so many of those uh, like the stolen, which is basically his taken and Bangkok dangerous are pretty benign. This is not that boilerplate action films. And and that's what I was expecting going in here. And then I was like, oh, shit, this is like uh like pretty like depraved uh, characters. And they're kind of. Yeah, it was a little gritty, mm-hmm. a little more gritty than I expected.
1: Uh, well, it almost seemed like uh, certain parts of the movie were uh the value in it was the grittiness mm-hmm. or like the, the absurd, like gross, uh, grotesqueness of it. Yeah. Um, cause it's like dramatic and intense. Like if you were to walk in on that intro scene as a child and your parents were watching that movie, that is going to traumatize you. Like that's a seriously traumatic. Yeah. Like it's going to mess up your life. It's freaky. Totally. And so like, you know, there's something to be said that like, in order to garner such reaction, you have to do something well or something. Yeah. But like sometimes just like the cinematography, there's no motivation for why you would do it like this. Right. It looks cool or subversive or interesting and gets a reaction, but without the context, it's just for the sake of it. Yeah.
0: I like, I think that they are definitely leaning a little bit on shock value and an awareness of like, this usually doesn't get uh, put on film. Like Mm -hmm. we usually don't see stuff like this you know uh, like a, a child's murder is not usually shown in the opening sequence uh, of a film especially something that is like it, it's played very like tonally comedic up until like mm-hmm. that point like he's watching a uh, a qvc like special about or no it's like a daytime talk show about yeah. with like a guns right activist talking and there's like all these little uh, cutout cut out boxes that start like it's appearing. really surreal yeah, it like almost feels like a Tim and Eric sketch um, yeah. from the jump, and then you transition into this stuff where he's just killing yeah. innocent Well, and he has and like cold a cold
1: phone cold. call too that like gets a few laughs. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, the... With like a telemarketer, mm-hmm. which was really strange. It seemed like they were trying to keep tabs on him. I'm sure it was. Now that I'm thinking about it, because he has a like criminal history, and probation officer yeah. or something. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: checking in on him uh yeah strange thing i mean yeah and i think that like a lot of this movie we don't actually want to like get too deep into the detail of the plot and what actually happens i think uh that i think we should maybe focus a little more on the performances Uh, willem uh Uh gives like a, a really pretty solid like very committed to his character performance and it's like consistent in a way that nothing else in the film is really consistent that's true i, I f- believe them all the time yeah i feel like the direction is not consistent uh the way mm-hmm. that it's shot there there are there were there was literally shots in this film that were like what the what movie did that just come out of like yeah. we rewatched a certain moment there's a mo- there's a point where uh, a cop Terminal, fires gun? a gun <laughs> this
1: is the craziest thing
0: i've ever seen and it is it, basically it a... they,
1: no basically they shoot the gun and they go okay pov of the bullet okay and then the camera's speeding through but when you think pov a bullet what they decided to do was like a totally black screen with a perfect circle in the middle cut out and then like a really like low budget video game reticle uh, in the middle well, of that circle. the circle, and the gun—it's like you're aiming and a gun. And there's a little CG. Gun. Yeah, it looks like
0: Doom. It like, looks like a first-person. It's person perfectly 90s centered, game. like nine-millimeter pistol. Just the gun,
1: and no hand on it. Just in the bottom of the frame, below the circle, and then we zoom through the circle, and then do like what are those 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 curve shots? You know, yeah. like from that movie where they have the guns. And yeah, it's like
0: a to... w- uh, scene from Wanted. Yeah,
1: and then. <laughs> And then the, it goes into a building and lands in a really awkward position
0: on a guy's wrist. Yeah, he's getting goes a haircut into his body. Like you see his flesh and bone. Yeah, and bone. then we
1: CGI into this like weird anatomy into this guy, and it comes out of
0: nowhere, and it looks so weird. Yeah, it feels very much like uh, the director Paul was just like, I I like this conceptually. Yeah, <laughs> I like this idea of just like. Uh, if it's such a weird moment like i literally cannot like concoct an idea as to why he thought this would be good and then once like they, why it was necessary w- once they spent money on it like on the on the effects for that how it stayed in the film because yeah. it's so obviously just like wait what was that yeah. like it, it's it's like a part of this larger chase scene and this like five minute a uh, little diversion where you're a Which bullet. That
1: whole scene is like a different movie as well. Yeah. And has very low motivation. It was almost like I wanted that chasing just to end it by the time it happened.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, it suffice it to say, I know what I'm giving this movie. It, it's such, yeah, it's such a, a tonally dissonant film. It's like a tough thing to enca- encapsulate. Like it's a, a di- it's a difficult thing to summarize or like put into uh Into words, just like the places this film goes, it Mm -hmm. it goes in so many weird, disparate directions,
1: and sometimes it forces you to go along with it. In that, like, it kind of forces, like, uh, the scene with the mustard condiment
0: fight. Yeah, so they they score big. These are basically like some pretty petty criminals that are uh, doing these odd jobs. They rob a stash house at one point um make ten thousand dollars and then celebrate in a hotel room by shooting like ketchup and mustard all over well they don't do it then
1: they do it only when uh something happens to a main character and they're trying to garner some amount of like what's the word uh you're sad that this happened. Yeah,
0: totally. It's like uh, attempting to evoke the friendship that these three yes. main characters have. and Like instead the of, good times they've shared. Yeah,
1: and instead of showing us the good times and like believing that this happened, they force us to realize that, oh, they were supposed to be characters who had good times together by showing us like a 15 second slow-mo mustard and ketchup fight while they're all drugged out in a hotel room.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's it's just, like, it's one of these things that it, it feels so out of place. It, it doesn't make any logical sense as to, like... I mean, so that's Willem uh, Dafoe's character, Mad Dog, who's, yeah. like, looking back fondly on this moment. And I guess... Maybe that's the highlight of his life. Of that's his what life. he really wants. Is or to... that,
1: you know, they're just a bunch of dogs and didn't really mean anything. They're eating
0: each other. Oh. Doggy dog. Yeah, there's the hidden meaning behind the titular name. So if you want to watch a bunch dog. of ruddy little dogs <laughs>
1: biting at each other, this is the movie for
0: you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Willem Dafoe definitely commits to his character. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the through line uh, of his uh, of his performance, which I think is like the best part of the film uh is Willem um and then Nick sort of wavers in and out of Nick's like the movie itself where yeah which cage is this yeah it's like which one are we getting scene from scene I I I was talking about this a little bit earlier uh before we started talking about the film specifically but he definitely it, it it feels so obvious that before certain scenes he's like okay I'm really gonna sort of heighten this and give it like a a version of my more manic performance Mm -hmm. for this line. And it's like, that stuff's great. That stuff's entertaining. It's fun to see him do that. But because his character isn't at all like a knowable thing because it's so all over the place Mm -hmm. uh, from scene to scene... Like, it just is like, oh, he's just kind of doing his Cage thing. And, like, some
1: scenes, especially in the beginning, open with a VO from him Mm -hmm. to kind of give us, like, oh, this is our through line guy. This is a very clunky VO. But the VO is kind of out of place. Sounds like it belongs in a different movie. And then occasionally, that's what drives me crazy. Like, this is a directing choice where we'll see Cage and he'll just be contemplating. And his VO will be over a shot of himself. Mm-hmm. Thinking, you know, we're 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 hearing his inner monologue, and then he gives his line. Which, but that only happens like once or twice in the whole movie, right? So it's really out of place and doesn't like.
0: It's hard to know where the like why it's important or where you stand anywhere in that movie with him totally. It feels like a kind of impulsive choice that might have been made on set or Mm -hmm. something that just didn't should have been pre proed as like a main thing in the movie or not at all, exactly. That just didn't have the follow through and isn't a consistent element in the film. So when it does pop up, it feels out of place. And it, it, one of the things that I did very much like about the decision to have vo in it is. In the scene where it's most heavily used, which is actually a scene where Nick is acting opposite the director of the film, uh, Paul Schrader, who's mm-hmm. kind of playing this, uh, this criminal with all these connections, knows about jobs. He's getting a, a job for Nick.
1: He's like when you go in to like your community worker who gets you like internships and stuff. Yes, but, but, but for, for crime. Yeah.
0: But, <laughs> uh, but there are moments that are so obvious that they kind of edit around where... Nick is just acting to enable that that VO where he's just kind of like lingering. Exactly, yeah. Uh, It's like the Malcolm in the Middle thing where it's just a shot of him while his voiceover plays. So like in real time, this would be a very clunky, strange conversation. Totally, but for some reason, They keep some of those longer shots on Nick just not doing anything, just looking pensive, but don't layer VO. I don't know if you noticed that, but there were (laughs) at least two where he's just sort of like contemplating and rolling his eyes around. And it's just like five seconds of that and no voiceover whatsoever, which I really enjoyed. (laughs) <laughs> a, a, a pretty special element That's, every scene where they have where he's with the director in their little bank vault restaurant yeah <laughs> i guess he has a restaurant uh, in a bank vault it's yeah it, it doesn't make any sense it's, no i don't understand there's no help there's no waiter but he says we need to order stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah they're there's, like asking there's no like, kitchen wow what wine is good here yeah. it's like you're in a bank vault dog it's just you and him at a table <laughs> no one's gonna bring you wine it's weird it's a, it's a very interesting film. Um, yes, I'll give it interesting for sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Why don't we? Um, I think we've probably talked enough about the film itself. Let's sure. give our uh, final thoughts on it and then we'll, we'll give it our rating. Derek, you want to go, go okay, first? Okay, final thoughts.
1: It's like one of the best Nick Cage line deliveries of all time. Yeah. Uh, that's, there are like moments, not even scenes. I won't even say scenes, right. because the scene, even from moment to moment, It's a serious difference in quality. There are moments that make that movie worth watching and um, are interesting, but they're so sparse, so sparse that you might as well just look them up on YouTube and I have to give it a bad, bad. Like, it's not quite enough to give it a good, bad. Mm -hmm. Um, Just with how inconsistent things are, how it feels like almost I feel betrayed by the lack of development before major actions are taken, that um, I didn't quite enjoy the movie, even yeah. though there are little moments that were enjoyable, and I go bad, bad on it. But the cage has a great scene with William Defoe talking about how a carpet feels like a, uh, a woman's vagina.
0: Yeah, we should just drop in the audio yeah. um, from so that Yeah, let's right play it here. right
1: now. Let's just hear the cage doing what he does best. Hit me with it.
0: You cats not freaking out about this? I've been out longer than you guys, and I'm still freaking out about it. What? What is it? Carpeting. Yeah, you know how much bare feet, if you had that privilege in your cell and they didn't notice you wasn't wearing your shower flip-flops in your downtime, all you felt was that cold concrete with boogers and jizz on it, and this is like Dig it, man. Come on,
1: man. This is sweet. This is like, like, soft, chafed pussy. You have been locked up a long time. You know what I mean. Nah, uh, I'll get us a real good gig. I'll get us such a good gig. Take a tits off! beautiful that's that's the cage we all know and love. yeah and that and, and that's nothing like in the movie not only does he not say or do anything like that ever in the movie yeah again, but he doesn't look like the
0: way he looks with the sunglasses <laughs> yeah he's scene. wearing like gas station gunner sunglasses <laughs> like seven dollar sunglasses we, immediately when the scene started we're like now we got cage yes, <laughs> he, he's finally arrived uh and it was such a like a sad moment retrospectively because it was like oh we had this like brief sheer like spark of brilliance in this otherwise very dark dim world yeah uh so yeah um my feelings on this film i i i was i i have to say that i was never bored i felt like the movie kind of moved along at a nice um clip and it was so nuts and there was so much to think about as far as you know when you're like approaching it from a more meta level of like What's going on like behind the scenes? What's, what's the production of this film look like? Mm. Uh, that I was, I was definitely engaged with it. But I wouldn't say that I enjoyed any of it outside of like those uh, few brief moments of uh, Cage and Willem, both kind of doing their things, just to, I, I feel like they uh, because this was maybe a little more amateurish of a film set and, and a little more low production. They had those moments where they're like, okay, I'm just going to go bold on this. Maybe they weren't getting the directing notes that uh, led to a consistent performance, but I felt like the actors, Willem more so than Cage, kind of took it upon themselves from time Mm. to time to be Mm -hmm. like, I I can just elevate this. I know that I can bring my own skill set, my own toolkit. Not to say anything against the
1: director, but I do feel like defoe did a lot of self-directing
0: totally Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like he made uh, a lot of bold decisions that uh that really uh that paid off but just like you i have to give this film a bad 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 uh yeah again while i I, it wasn't one of those things where it was a slog to get through but i could never recommend it Mm -hmm. you know it is on netflix if you want to if you want to watch it and we should have said this is uh one of his most recent, one of the Cage Man's most recent films. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. It it was uh, released in 2016, which is an interesting thing. So we kind of have like, okay, this is the type of project. And we know that he also um, uh, really made sure that Willem was a part of this movie. So Mm -hmm. he obviously cared about it to some extent. Um, But yeah, just not, you know, not a great film to start out on. Too much. um, An interesting one. Inside
1: insiders of yeah. the movie. Like decisions that might not have been made if people didn't all know each other or might not have been related to certain people or might not have worked with each other on certain projects. Yeah. Um
0: another interesting and kind of like revealing uh fact about the movie is that it the director who is primarily a writer, like that's the majority of his credits, he does have directing credits as well. But uh most of his credits are are from his written work. A lot of stuff that he co-wrote with Scorsese. Um it, it, but he didn't write this movie. It was so it was just like, oh, maybe he was just mm. less involved and was just like, eh, might as well, you know, fucking shit one of these out. And he's also acting in it, which is a weird choice. I don't think he has any other acting credits. Um we'll have to ask Nick about it when he comes in. Yeah, we'll later. uh We have uh Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were talking about your roommate. Uh, no, no, I'm talking about the Cage Man. Resident uh, movie buff Nicholas Funk. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about this with the Cage Man when he comes in. We'll bring it up because mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure he's got some good stories from on set. I'm sure that mustard scene in the hotel was a fun oh, yeah. a fun shoot. Yeah. W- Willem has his like shirt still <laughs> around his arms, but then like up over his neck. So his chest is bare, but it looks he like shows He shows
1: a lot of his ribcage in this movie. Yeah. Like, so much of him, like fully extended old man ribcage over his like sucked in stomach yeah
0: he's in these like uh like red tidy whities or i <laughs> guess r- r- tidy reddies um <laughs> and, and it's a it's a pretty glorious thing to see yeah he looks good um okay so yeah that's uh we we got through that mm-hmm.
1: and so right now it's ranked on our nick cage ranking board as
0: number one despite it getting the lowest possible rating from both <laughs> of us it is the number one nicholas cage film that we've explored as it is it's one of one one of one we'll
1: see how the next one does i hope better yeah but no promises there
0: all right it's time to move into cage news
1: cool enough to get that baby to burp up 1500
0: uh so Cage Fest happened this past weekend. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> In Austin, Texas. Cage Fest? Cage Fest. Is it a festival? It's a film festival. All oh, film festival. Uh, all, all Nick featuring Cage? Nick Cage films. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so I think, uh, I believe it's the Alamo Drafthouse that puts it on. Of uh, co- it's got to be yeah. some sort of bar. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they played four Nicolas Cage movies. They played uh, Joe, uh-huh. Lord of War. Oh, yeah um that's a heavy one bangkok dangerous and i'm trying to recall uh i think it was bring out the dead the, okay his movie that he did with uh martin scorsese um yeah but the fun thing and the reason this i thought this was like a notable fact was the cage man himself was showed made up made an appearance he made well, an got appearance it, man. he gave and he actually read a uh, like a 7 minute long poem by edgar allan poe Yeah. gave a really dramatic reading that's on youtube definitely worth a watch Wow. and, and actually he gave uh, he gave a little interview about why he chose to read a uh, a poe poem okay a poem um which is that, uh, I guess, that was a real inspiration for a lot of his performances and the Mm. more manic elements of his performances. Sure, I can
1: see the uh, the telltale heart there in his uh, self-destruction many many times. uh, Yeah,
0: totally. Um, I forget what he read. But anyway, yeah uh it, a very good fun youtube it video it went it went on it was a hit yeah no, i mean it, that audience is going to be so thrilled by that right i they, i would think yeah, so yeah they freaked out uh they loved it um yeah so moving on to our second bit of cage news okay <laughs> uh on good stuff. On the last two episodes of ABC's The Bachelor. Okay, go on. This is
1: exciting already. Yeah.
0: One of the contestants, uh so this was two weeks ago, uh, revealed in th- one of the th- ladies? That, yeah. Okay. One, so there's all, all I don't know how familiar you are with The Bachelor. I remember when it first came out, like he, it's one guy
1: but is it the trick where he's not actually a millionaire or is that something else <laughs> i think
0: you're confusing it. this is just a, handsome, just a bachelor. handsome guy uh yeah but anyway so at the end of each episode they always have like kind of a funny moment uh, that that was on set like Oh, Usually, a blooper or something. Th- the show is committed to more like dramatic work and right. uh, or the little dramatic peek behind elements, the curtain. yeah. But this is just like this is a funny thing that happened between Moment some of in. the contestants on the show. Okay, uh, and one of the girls she was talking to Nick the Bachelor mm. and revealed that uh, she has two fears in the world one of them is aliens, yeah, me the too. other. Nicolas Cage. Ooh. <laughs> and that alone probably isn't enough to be notable. <laughs> but th- <laughs> this most recent week, they did her, uh, they had her on again at the Stinger. They're going to uh, try to explore this. And Nick, they're staying at a haunted mansion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and Nick the Bachelor comes out to like, she this girl's sitting alone on a couch and he comes out wearing a Nick Cage <laughs> mask. <laughs> and she, freaks out and he proceeds to make him, make her kiss the mask oh, and like fake no. out. It's a, I'm sure a very traumatic thing. Can she's she, like, well, he gets to pick who stays, but can she just leave? Yeah, I, I think <laughs> she was like, she's going to reject his rose at the uh, next rose ceremony. I love how this is news. <laughs> yeah,
1: Nothing has been scary so far. tonight. scariest thing I can think of right now is probably Nicolas
0: Cage. If I saw a ghost that looks like Nicolas Cage, I would sprint out of here. Don't move. Is it Nicolas Cage? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Nick put on a Nicolas Cage mask and chased me around the house.
1: Did you make it out, I, out of me?
0: No, no, no. I really wouldn't. Wait, okay, only...
1: Consider Nikki's love? I well need out. to close my eyes. Give me a kiss. Hope this is out. like
0: my biggest no, fear No, eyes ever. open. Eyes open. Can I go like this? No, all the way. Can I go like this?
1: Yeah, okay. I kiss <sighs> Nicholas Gage anyway. I'm actually
0: turned up. <laughs> just a thing like intersected I with gotta a, see
1: that. why is she so afraid of him i
0: don't know she's just like it's just his face it's, i can't deal with his face she's the child i was hypothetically talking about who walked into william defoe like <laughs> murdering a, yeah a girl it's been traumatized by like uh the like opening scene at wild of wild at heart where he's just like beating a man <laughs> to death on these like gala stairs um, oh yeah, or punching yeah. countless women in so, any movie. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure w- it's two weeks in a row where they've sort of like continued on. We'll that follow thread. this lead. Yeah, right. hopefully See, we get a little she, bit more, yeah, in depth as they get to know each other. Maybe she'll reveal the uh, right. the the point when Nicolas Cage became a phobia. What for movie her? was it? Then we can watch that one and really dive into it. Yep,
1: that'd be great. Tag her on Twitters or something. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Ask her to be a guest on the
1: show, yeah, with re- Nick
0: present. Oh, yeah, they could Ooh, like a little immersion maybe- therapy. Mm, therapy, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure once she gets to know him, she's just, like, oh, this is just a guy. Yeah, we'll, we we'll, are gonna reach out to both of them. We're gonna see if we can get them both on the show. Yes. Um, I don't think she's gonna be on The Bachelor for much longer, so we can probably get her. She's a bit of a weirdo. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, and now mm. we are going to announce. That's rude uh is that rude yeah i mean she, she's a do girl no she's great but she they just don't have a spark there's other people that Nixon, how much
1: do you watch how much of the bachelor have you
0: watched i just watched this uh season and so this has made it into Nick Cage news because you like watching The Bachelor. Well, now I have a, a vested reason to continue watching oh The
1: Bachelor. God. You're going to be like, I went to a Gundam convention and there was a guy <laughs> who kind of looked like Nick Cage. Nick Cage news.
0: I'm just going to like bring <laughs> a DVD and like plant it somewhere on the premise of anywhere that I want to go. It's like, call Easy enough to be here. <laughs> uh, I had to go. Nick Cage news was there. And okay, so I think what we should do Is uh, just to keep morale up uh, on the podcast, uh, a thought that I've had is try to um, fluctuate between movies that we can kind of uh, assume based on, you know, critics impressions, Mm. how uh, audiences have reacted to them. uh, Bounce back and forth between less favorited and more favorited movies. So uh, we're going to bounce back from dog eat dog to a good one. And watch Joe. Oh, I just watched an interview about this movie. Yeah, it's a David Gordon Green film who we know he um, uh, directed uh, a number of like James Franco films, actually, like comedies and stuff, but had a very, very serious um, uh, film that he made when he was a student, I believe, called George Washington, which is like a look at uh, a bunch of kids in the South. In like an economically depressed neighborhood that are dealing with uh, a murder. And it's really a fantastic mm-hmm. film. Uh, but anyway, uh, I I liked Joe a lot. I'm excited to watch it again. I watched it like right when it came out. I think it came out in like 2012. Never seen it. Um, but yeah, excited. Uh, if you would like to watch along with us, right. you could watch Joe uh, and then you know uh, send us our th- Send us your thoughts over Twitter. Twitter. Do we have an email? Uh, we should. Um, we should. We'll post that in the show notes for uh, mm-hmm. if we have any. We're gonna up get. We're gonna figure that out. Post in the notes next ep. We'll
1: plug them all. Yeah, but we want to communicate with the cage public. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know I'm no cage expert. The cage niche. The cage niche.
0: We're all one niche. Yeah. Of cage. We'll get there with the name for cage fans. Mm-hmm. They um, might help us out. But yeah. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week on Contemporary Cage. Hey.